0: This is the Financial Coconut Podcast, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. I'm your host Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut. Every Thursday, you'll be chilling with me and my guest, who are some of the quirkiest, geekiest people we can find on the internet about how they do money and life. So sit back, relax, we are a few days away from the weekend. Welcome to Chills with TFC.
2: During back then in the 1990s, whereby there's the Vietnam War, whereby there's the Appetite Movement, right? So before Sharia Investment came along, there is this term called, if I'm not mistaken, it's the Domini MSCI Index, right? Whereby it's also a faith-based kind of strategy to exclude certain companies that is harmful to the society at large, right?
0: Hello, I'm Andrew and welcome to Chill with TFC, a show where we sit down with the geekiest and quirkiest minds to learn how they think about money and life. Today's episode is a little special. It is a two-part series and Reggie, our chief financial coconut, is involved as well. We're going to demystify the world of Islamic finance and investments. Yes, halal finance is a thing, just like halal food is something that you can take part in as well. And this analogy is used by our guests. In part one of this series, which is this episode, we'll be doing a primer on Sharia, finance, and Islamic perspectives on money, which will help give you some context to listen to the deep dives that Reggie will get into in part two. What is the Islamic view of money? And can these concepts help you to become a better investor or to manage your money better? Listen on to find out. So, At first, heard about Sharia Investing. I went to Google to learn a bit more, but I'm sure there's so much more to learn. So today I have my guest to help me understand more about Sharia Investing. So let's welcome Hakim and Ridwan. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Let's start off with introducing yourselves. Right. And Hakim can go first. We are doing this online because Hakim is not in Singapore. So Hakim, where are you? (laughs) What are you doing there? And what do you do?
2: Oh, so currently, uh, my full name again, my name is Zul Hakim. So currently, I'm working as the uh, researcher at uh, College of Islamic Studies, uh, Hamad bin Khalifa University, which is under the Qatar Foundation. So Qatar Foundation, so that is where I am in Doha, Qatar. So and uh, at the same time, I'm currently doing my PhD in Islamic Finance and Economy.
0: Okay, so what time is it for you right now? Currently, it's at 8 8 a.m., yeah, 5 hours. Starting the day yeah, strong. Yes, I just i
2: just good. All
0: I right. Think. Yeah, so it's a bit early for me here. All right, that's Hakim. And next, really one, tell us about yourself.
3: Okay, so I'm actually an undergraduate at NTU Business. I'm currently majoring in international trade. So besides that, I'm also heading this Islamic Finance Singapore or IFSG. So we started out as a WhatsApp group back in 13 August 2018. It's like an anniversary date, lah, sort of. But then, thankfully, we got registered as a company, limited by guarantee, and it's very focused on Islamic finance and educating the masses about personal finance and investments as well. So that's a bit about me.
0: And that's Ridwan. Welcome, Haki and Ridwan. I also have a co-host with me today to help me point out my blind spot and to contribute to the conversation. Hello,
4: Raj. Hello, everyone. And Andrew, thank you very much. But for you good. Great. Um, well, I have been... My, my career started off in conventional banking for quite a bit. And then I went on to work for a company called Bloomberg, where I was uh, in sales. So that was a very good experience. It gave me a, uh, a knowledge in the wide spectrum of the financial markets. right? And then I became an accidental Islamic finance proponent because as the only senior Muslim in the country. And that was the time when Islamic finance was becoming quite popular, actually. So they got me in and they asked me to do some, you know, uh, product uh, development. And then during that time, I saw there was a gap in uh, providing these services in Singapore, and I went on to start Five Pillars in 2008. So the rest of, they say, it's it's history, and, and we have been very privileged to be given advice in some of the milestone products, at least in, in, in Singapore. Um, so that's me, and I'm sure we'll share more uh, as the conversations uh, come along.
0: Okay, so we have Raj from Five Pillars. We also have Islamic Finance Singapore, IFSG, and we have Hakim and Riddle One. So let's get the terms right first. What is Sharia Investing? And people also use the terms like Islamic Finance, Halal Investing. Are they all the same? Can they be used interchangeably? And what term should we be using today?
2: In simple terms, right? So you were saying about Shari'ah, investing, Islamic finance, uh, it's actually the embodiment of ethical investment in a brief manner since its inception. So uh, the core roots of Sharia is actually a Arabic term. Sharia it means a path or a starting point, so in a way, Sharia as an Arabic term is a law whereby if you you need to find something that you are unsure of, right? So you start with looking at Sharia for guidance. So it's like a path for that objective. In a
3: very simple terms, yeah. Yeah. If I may add, so but literally, Sharia means uh, a path, and the Arabs used it for. Uh, when you're in the desert and then you're looking for water, right? So there's a path to water and that's called the Sharia. So, But then when Islam came, it didn't give a new word. It rather gave a new meaning to the Sharia term. So from there, we know that this Sharia basically means it's a guidance from the heavens to Muslims as well as non-Muslims. So if you are dealing with your daily lives, whether whether it be financial or otherwise, it will be the better form of your life, basically. Uh, sorry, if I may add also, right? So
2: what does uh, Sharia actually entails, right? So Sharia in a very simple, simple form of it is it actually promotes and safeguard five core objectives, which is to safeguard and promote life uh, and also the progeny, the intellect, the wealth, and lastly is the faith. So all rulings or all virtues are all connected to these five uh, we can see higher objectives in human life for the betterment of the well-being of humanity.
4: Good. I, th- I think both of you have given a good you know, overview. But for primarily the non-Muslims who, who approach this, right? So, Andrew, you are right, you know, because most of the population the consumption is coming from obviously Middle East and Indonesia, so they tend to use these Arabic terms quite often, just that it may be uh, unfamiliar with, with at least... Uh, the investors in this part of the world, right? So as as, as my colleagues have said, you know, uh, Sharia is it's, 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 it's you know we started like you know 1,400 years ago because that's when Islam came about. So Muslims, when they were trading, they 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 there were certain mannerisms which, very interestingly, you know, uh, as of now, many of the investors and, and and even even interest group, you know, you are you are hearing. Vocabulary like ethical investment, number one, right? Sustainable, environmental, you know. So, all of them are totally in, in, in the same principles of what uh, Islamic investment is all about. So, yes, you are right. If you go into a bank, then, then you will find Islamic bank is used, Islamic banking is used. So if you go into an investment house, then they may use Islamic investment or Sharia investments, right? So yes, you are, you are very true. Uh, they, uh, they are being used interchangeably depending on who is providing the service.
0: Mm. So for today's discussion, I'll, I'll be using the term Sharia investing. And Hakim and Ridwan has already defined it for us. What is the meaning of Sharia? So that helps us to understand it from a deeper perspective. So how did Shari Investing come about? Raj, gave a bit of a teaser. 1,400 years you were saying, right? So how did Shari Investing come about?
3: Okay. So in terms of uh, stocks stock screening, right, uh, there's basically two filters. One is the qualitative and the other is quantitative. So for qualitative, we look at or we filter stocks that are not moral, such as in the adult entertainment, arms, casinos. So these are industries that are not just accepted, uh, not accepted islamically, but also morally. So these, these are the businesses that we, we exclude. Then we go to the financial screening, and this includes four components, uh, which firstly is the not heavily indebted companies, especially in this high interest rate environment. Then second is the efficient use of resources, including cash. So lastly, the income purification which limits the investors from benefiting from uh, unlawful earnings. eh? So this basically, in a nutshell, is what Sharia screening is for stocks.
2: So you were saying that how did the Sharia investment or the stock investment come along, right? I think it came along uh, naturally with the advancement of the global investment market, right? So it's not something that is only unique to... Islam per se, but it's also, if I can say, it also has development in other religions, right? So when you look at the, from the 1990s onwards, when the, the market start to develop further, right? When companies are introduced in the index, right? So there are facets of the society that believe that their money should be used, not or harming others, right? So, during back then in the 1990s, whereby there's the Vietnam War, whereby there's the appetite movement, Mm -hmm. right? So, before Sharia investment came along, there is this term called, if I'm not mistaken, it's the Domini MSCI index, right? Whereby it's also a faith-based kind of strategy to exclude certain companies that is harmful to the society at large, right? So it's just natural, right? Within from the nineteen nineties onwards, whereby when the there's the oil boom in the Middle East, right? So they have this amount of money and they are unsure where to put it, right? So they seek an opinion within their scholars, right? To know is this company is something that is ethical for us to invest in, right? So in brief that's how it started. I think the first index came along in nineteen ninety-nine, which is the Jones Chanya Index, right? So from there on the methodology on how to stream companies based on this Sharia stream methodology get developed and as more the, the advancement of the investment market developed in the
0: in the Middle East. Because both Five Pillars and IFSG are spreading education about Islamic finance. Raj, you wanna hop on?
4: Yeah, well that's very interesting. So if you look at it, basically it's it's about where it all started and you know, obviously it's Middle East so before the advent of profit you know there were they all were if you look at trade it just started with butter trading and then and so on there, when currency was introduced and so on so that's how it's developed so obviously uh, the concept of Islamic banking started off by just the middle eastern trading and then obviously they when, when Islam came about they sought the the opinion of the prophet as to how they deal with certain instruments because the concept of insurance came about when they have to travel in caravans uh, from between one place to a lawn, right? So how do you, how today's modern insurance was in the past was just everybody putting a pot of money, putting aside uh, some money, all of them equal shares. And that money would be used if one of the caravan breaks down or falls into hardship. So that's where it started. And then slowly, when obviously there's a neighborhood trading, and then the trading became between uh, two different cities, and then, of course, before internationalized. So people tend to look at how did the profit dealt with these things. And then there was a sophistication in the product came about. That's like Hakim said, prior to, to in the 1980s, Islamic finance were done in a very small scale. So so Egypt started off a savings account, for example, if you look at the literature. And then Malaysia started off with the Pilgrimage Fund. And then when there was a liquidity crunch in the conventional markets, and they wanted to go and raise capital from the Middle Eastern, they started saying, are your investments sharia? So when they started posing those questions, and obviously structuring came about, And then the scholars dwelled into it. And then they said, how can Muslims uh, invest in the stock market? Uh, How can Muslims uh, have an Islamically acceptable insurance instrument, funding, uh, capital raising, and that's about. So that's how it is. So we may not have all the answers for all the products, but we believe that we have most of the answers for most of the products. So that's how we are are coming into. For example, uh, recently a new development of of crypto. How do we deal with it? It never came about during the prophets' time. So we believe these are very good development. And then there's been a huge amount of innovation also happening in the Islamic side too. So that's how it it came about.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point because you, you brought up crypto. There are new developments, new technology, new ways of doing things. Yes, well, let's yes. understand the basics first, right? So, so your uh, spread education about Islamic finance, about Shara investing, right? what what challenges you face in helping people understand what this is all about?
3: <laughs> I think it's uh, time, basically, because uh, both of us, Badazul and myself, we are still, I'm still an undergrad, uh, Badazul is working as well. He's doing his PhD and we have a lot of resources, but we have limited time and multiple projects as well. So that's the current problem that we have like, in a sense. Yeah. If we could just multiply ourselves, I think all will be very good. <laughs> okay. From the, the audience
2: side, right? I think that they are keen to learn more about Islamic finance, right? So, but the facet in our society where they can actually learn the proper term of Islamic finance, the proper way is somehow limited. And secondly, I think there's a lack of of awareness of personal finance.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: So to introduce Islamic personal finance is another layer. So you need to actually get your audience to understand the, the simple form of personal finance before you can actually go another layer to introduce to them there's another, another layer or another mechanism of Islamic personal fi- finance. So this is a bit of a challenge. I think with the help of Financial Coconut, whereby the society are more keen to know about their personal finance, then it's easier to, to introduce an ethical side of dealing with your income,
0: etc. Hakim, the last time we spoke, you have an analogy. Could you share about the analogy? Oh, the analogy about Sharia investment. So I think you you were asking what is
2: Sharia investment, right? In simple terms, then I mentioned that uh, it is something like the Halal logo of food, right? So the Halal logo is not only for Muslim, all all people can eat the Halal food, (laughs) right? So like how Muslim are cautious with their consumption whereby they, they look for the HALAL logo, right? Same goes to how we deal with our money. So we are cautious in a way to know that uh, the way we deal our, our money, right, is in a lawful ways. is just how we consume output, how we make our money, how we gain our money is ultimately boils down to the same concept.
4: Okay, Raj. <laughs> I think they, 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 they have said it very well. Um, if you look at the challenges we have, there's a couple Islamic finance is the only one that has a religious undertone because of the word Islamic. So conceptions uh, or other misconceptions are one challenge. I think anyone who wants to participate may want to, but they feel that, oh, is it only for Muslims? So it's not we stopping, they themselves stopping from participating. And then the other thing is some of the structures have a very heavy Arabic explanation, right? For example... Fixed deposit. If you look at it, Islamic banking would give you an advertised a fixed deposit rate, and a conventional bank does too, right? But obviously, to identify it, it, this Islamic finance equivalent, they may have to use an Islam or an Arabic term, right? So if they use the word, say, for example, just for argument, say a commodity murabaha, I mean, it's, definitely there are a whole bunch of people who may not want to subscribe to it because they don't understand what does that mean. What is this structure, commodity murabaha kind of thingy, mm. right? And then of course, what people read, especially now in in, in the newspapers and etc., where uh sometimes uh, the, the Muslim world is shown in a in a negative you know, manner. So there are some challenges in us making aware that in fact it'll will, it will sell a lot better if we put the Arabic words in fine prints, but accentuate the benefits.
0: So Raj, could you help us explain scholars, this group of scholars that does this discussion?
4: Okay, Uh, just like uh, there isn't a central body for um, someone to go and get an endorsement that something is compliant. So Islamic finance works in a way uh, they will go to a learned individuals who have had experiences and these experiences are validated by how many products that they have endorsed in the past. So there aren't uh, many of them, there are there, there are young ones that are coming up, but there are a top 10 that the world goes to typically for them to get an endorsement to make a, a, a product as compliant. And these people are normally known as uh, scholars. You can equal them to like senior councils in the, in the, or Queen's Council kind of uh, status.
0: Raj, how do I start? Where do I go to? How do I know if a company is Sharia compliance? What do I do? <laughs> Where do I even begin?
4: Interestingly, um, okay, because these are proprietary information, because a company would put their own research team to do it, so they don't make it public. But there are are some of the Sharia companies that are public. So uh, Google search word as, say, Sharia-compliant equities, you know, in Singapore, will give you some indication because uh, every fund manager must, what would I say, they have to report their top 10 holdings, for example. So that's public information. Right, So, if they are, if they have invested in 30 funds and it, they must report according to regulators their top 10 or 15 or whatever the number is. So, there you can get some indication. Indonesia and Malaysia have made them public. So, there is a, a free information if you want to invest in some of the Malaysian companies. You can just get the index for free and you will get one list of all the Sharia compliant companies in Malaysia and Indonesia. So, those are some of the things. And I think um, the, the the net today would be able to give you even even in other jurisdictions like uh, United States and etc. Right? And I believe there are some service providers for a very small fee would be able to give you you know if you just ask them is this Sharia or not Sharia they will give you the answer. So that's where it is. But if I can sell some co as they call that, uh, we also do <laughs> some Islamic finance uh, training, uh, CISI training. So we'd be happy to fill more uh, if anyone's interested in it. It's a very basic level of uh, Islamic finance training, certified by the CISI
0: UK, actually. Um, could you help me understand, so you're saying Islamic has a religious undertone because of the word Islamic, but Sharia is more of Arabic and not as much of the religious undertone to it. So the, the whole point is to help people to understand Sharia investing better. Perhaps you can talk about some of the Sharia-compliant companies. Well, actually, Ridwan earlier on gave an example of how to do screening so, what are some values of these Sharia-compliant companies? So, in terms
3: of these Sharia-compliant companies, right, there's no difference whether it's be, it be in a separate universe or, or in on its own. So, if you are looking at just the S&P Finder, right, inside the S&P Finder, already there are Sharia-compliant companies. But these companies, they can be invested in if they are Sharia compliant for the Muslims. So for the Muslims, if you want to invest, then you can just invest in the S&P 500 Sharia or in the ETF, there's, there's a one is SPUS. Uh, so that is one form. Uh, so there's no difference to it in terms of they, them having a separate governance or separate Sharia advisory board inside or no. It's just basically whether these companies Fulfill the conditions stated earlier. They fulfill. They meet the requirements of qualitative, qualitative as well as quantitative screening criteria. If
0: they pass, then you are considered share compliant. And we mentioned the stock screening for stocks that are not moral. That's relatively easy yes. to understand. And right. you mentioned that they have to be not heavily indebted, income purification, yes. and also the efficient use of resources. Yeah. Was there so one more for in criteria? efficient use of resources? Could you, uh, or maybe Hakim could. Help us understand like how, how these three, what do these three criteria mean?
2: So there's two processes, right? So the first process is the qualitative training. So it's easier for you to understand. So we we exclude any companies that is so-called sinful companies, if we can say so. Casinos, uh, gambling, the adult entertainment companies and so forth. Right? So let's say you fall under. A tech company as an industry, right? So you, you pass the first screening uh, procedure whereby you are from tech, so it's okay. Or let's say we take a supermarket, so it's much more uh, complex. So in a supermarket, uh, it, it, it's not necessary whereby all the food and beverages are halal, right? So let's say uh, Samsung, let's say, or fair price or something along that line. Right, they sell maybe alcohol beverages or these uh, pork-related items, right? So that this is where the second screener uh, came along, which is the uh, we call it quantitative screening, right? So one of the quantitative screening is uh, to limit how many percentage this incomes comes from the sale of let's say uh, tobacco or alcohol. So the scholars limit it to only 5% because uh, that is something that is tolerable that we can tolerate upon, right? So this is the first uh, screening of qualitative. So the second example is, let's say fair price, right? So they have a lot of cash every night from customers, right? So where do they place this cash? So if they place their cash in deposits, let's say in the banks, So normally, these cash deposits will incur interest, right? So in this uh, modern financial system, it's hard to find companies that do not place their cash in the conventional banks, right? So in our principle that uh, this cash, right, we try to limit it to only 33%, right? So that cash, uh, ideally, it should be not more than 33% of the total asset or the market cap of that company itself. The reason might be also uh, from the Sharia perspective, right? Is uh, when we take money or money or debt, it should be at par. So, meaning that if let's say there's $1, you can only pay it equivalent to $1, right? So this is just the Sharia perspective, but maybe from the economic perspective, why uh, companies with high liquidity is not, positive for investors is it, it it shows the lack of utilization of their fund, right so this is one perspective that we can look at it from the economic side so then the third one uh one can you remind me i think it, is it the debt is it debt or yeah debt. Yeah, debt. yeah so it is that right so uh and like uh, we take uh, the example of fair price again right so in any company, when they want to grow, they need to take uh, uh, debt to help them grow. right? So like I mentioned from Sharia perspective also, when you want to trade in debt, meaning that you want to buy a debt, it needs to be traded at par. Okay? But from the economic perspective, if let's say the company is highly leveraged, meaning that they have, they have a high debt, it's risky for us to invest in debt. Right? So the toler- we tolerate only until 33%, right? I read one if I'm not wrong. So this is yeah. the subset of it. Then lastly is the income purification, meaning that the dividends or the total earnings that you uh, gain after let's say five years or, or whatever year it is, right? You try to only gain from the items that is lawful for you. So the percentage of incurred interest, let's say, from the cash or the percentage of uh, unlawful items, let's say, you try to deduct that from your income, uh, total gains, and you take that amount and you give it to charity. So you don't benefit anything from that uh, unlawful earnings. If I can put it in quote-unquote, you give it back to charity.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you. Any last words from any of you to wrap up today's conversation? Okay, I I think if I may start on that, there is
3: a misconception that Sharia compliant investments don't outperform their conventional counterparts, uh, but this is not true as I uh, as we mentioned earlier. Then there's also a misconception that uh, there are there are limited investments in Singapore for the Muslims or non-Muslims to invest in that are Sharia compliant or or halal but we, we have identified around 16 asset classes for the Muslims and non-Muslims to invest in, and they, they include private equity, crowdfunding, and just, just crowdfunding, we have three branches, the property, crowdfunding, the peer-to-peer crowdfunding as well as the uh, equity crowdfunding so basically there's a lot of investments out there but we just need to be proactive in terms of searching where to find these investments and and one of the resources is through ifsg through mr Large company five pillars as well as other companies or platforms akim
2: i think like what uh, Ridwan mentioned, right so thank you for having us uh first and foremost and secondly if you would like to know more about Islamic finance can find our handles, right? It's at Islamic Finance Singapore. So, whereby you, you can have a direct contact with us if you have any questions that you may have. We also have the weekly questions whereby uh, people from the public post their questions and we try our best to answer them in a, a simple manner that a layman can understand, right? And lastly, if I can end something on what you should think of Islamic finance, uh, is actually how we view money as not as a goal, but as a mean for something bigger for the humanity. So we don't view it as money for something that we want to accumulate as a goal, but something as a mean that facilitate for the betterment of the society, the environment and so forth.
4: Yeah. Raj, could you help
0: us do a closing?
4: <laughs> I think as my colleague says, First and foremost, I would want, uh, especially our non-Muslim listeners, to look at it as an avenue. I think it, it is a very, very fast-growing industry. Uh, if you are in the financial or even uh, the financial or you know, the fintech industry, you should be able to know more so that you can come up with products uh, that are fast-growing, you know, both in population and in terms of wealth, right? So I think there's a huge pool of, of capital that, that you can tap on. And you build a career from, right? And we have got at least now IFST is a good one. I would I would highly recommend that because it's just uh, it's a good pool of people who can pose a very simple question and get a lot of learned people in there that I know of personally and don't hesitate to. And then if you have some time. And Five Pillars is in the business of both uh, you know enhancing awareness and education and et cetera in this field. And I think Singapore as a country because of its infrastructure and education, regulatory framework and financial reputation is a perfect place for you to start what you call considering offering Islamic finance services because, you know, just look at Asia alone. India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Indonesia, Malaysia. Majority of Muslims are there and, and you are sitting in the right sweet spot to reach out to them. They are all even closer. So I really hope that you look at it both not only in making money but also build your career on. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Raj. Thank you, Ridwan. Thank you, Hakim. I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials and check out thefinancialcoconut.com.